Welcome to Psych Talk. I am your host, Jessica Lee, a licensed clinical psychologist. It is my mission to motivate, inspire, and educate you on everything psychology, mental health, and self-growth. Although topics discussed on this podcast are similar to therapy, Psych Talk is not a replacement for therapy and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Whether you are a mental health professional or student in the social science field, are interested in psychology and mindset shifts, or are just interested in gaining skills and knowledge to grow into the best version of yourself, this podcast is for you. My hope is to provide you with knowledge and skills that you can implement in your daily life that add up to make a big impact. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Psych Talk. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to do a little, I guess, housekeeping, little announcements, whatever we call them. So today's episode is actually the last episode of season three of Psych Talk. Don't worry, there will be a season four. I'm just not sure when that will be yet. So make sure that you are following me on social media, both at my main account at Jessica Lee PhD and the podcast account at psych.talk.podcast for updates about season four. So the reason, I guess one of the reasons, but the main reason that this is the last episode of season three is don't get me wrong. I absolutely love doing this podcast and I especially love having guests on but I am doing everything for this podcast by myself. Um, I don't outsource anything and it's very time consuming. And recently I have found myself delaying in both the prepping and recording of my solo episodes, uh, like this one, which makes me feel rushed and under pressure. And that's not how I want to feel doing this podcast. Thus, I hope a break will help me recharge and bring even better episodes to you in season four. So during the time off, please go back and listen to old episodes, share with people who you think may enjoy the podcast, and if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I set a goal earlier this year to get 50 uh, ratings, and we are currently at 48. So we're really close. So I currently have 35 ratings on Apple Podcasts, which is five stars total. So thank you all so much. And 13 ratings on Spotify with 4.8 stars, which I will definitely take. I appreciate honest feedback. So ratings and reviews help get the word out about the podcast and keep it growing. So if you have time and feel so inclined, please do so. So speaking of growing and getting the word out there. I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all for continuing to listen to this podcast each week. So if you listen to the podcast weekly, you will know that back in August, I hit 20,000 downloads. And as I'm recording this, we have hit over 22,200 downloads. So over 2,200 downloads in a month's time. And I just can't thank you all enough. I remember when I first started this podcast and I was getting like a hundred downloads a month and now I'm close to 2000 and it just keeps growing. So I, I just can't thank you all enough. 
In addition to letting you all know that this is the last episode of season three, I also want to make a semi-announcement, and I say semi-announcement because I'm actually announcing an announcement, (laughs) so I'm not actually telling you what I'm announcing, but basically if you are listening to this in real time, so uh, Monday, September 26th when this comes out, tomorrow, September 27th, I will be making an announcement over on my Instagram about a project I have been working on for a couple months now. So if you are listening to this at a later date, you may have already seen my announcement or go over to my Instagram page to find out what it is. This project is another reason I am taking a break from this podcast. So I have the time and energy to focus on what is to come next. I also have some other ideas floating around in my mind of what I would like to do with my platform, with continuing my mission of making mental health information more accessible and relatable and destigmatizing mental health and mental health providers. Um, So I have a lot of ideas floating around. A lot of them are just ideas, but make sure you're following me to keep up with any and all projects that I am doing. So I think that is all the housekeeping out of the way. So now on to today's episode, which is all about forgiveness. So I want to talk about forgiveness because it is something that we all do in our lives. But I also personally feel there are some misconceptions about needing to forgive people that have hurt us. So I want to address that. And I also want to address this concept of self-forgiveness because I think a lot of times we think about forgiving others but we're not as good at forgiving ourselves. So I'm going to touch on all of those things today. So first off, what is forgiveness? There are many ways to describe or define what forgiveness is. One way to describe forgiveness is the release of resentment and anger. Forgiveness can also be defined as extending mercy to those who have harmed us, even if they don't deserve it. I want to be clear that Forgiveness is not excusing the offending person's behavior or pretending it didn't happen. Forgiveness is also not just about saying words. It is an active process in which you make a conscious decision to let go of negative feelings, whether the person deserves it or not. So forgiveness has been linked to a number of benefits. It has been shown to elevate mood, enhance optimism, guard against anger, guard against stress, anxiety, PTSD, and depression. It is also associated with greater feelings of happiness and hopefulness. Forgiveness can help increase our self-esteem and give us a sense of inner strength and safety. And forgiveness also has some physical benefits, which I think is really cool because people probably think of forgiveness as more of a emotional um, or cognitive process. So research shows that forgiveness benefits cardiac patients by significantly lowering their blood pressure. Other physical benefits of forgiveness include lowering heart attack risk, better cholesterol levels, improved sleep, and reduced pain. So why does forgiveness have these benefits? When we harbor anger and resentment in the body, our body releases stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline. And constant release of stress hormones can lead to increased stress and anxiety, as well as things like increased blood pressure and reduced parasympathetic activity. 
Thus, engaging in forgiveness helps release that anger and resentment, as I said a few moments ago when defining what forgiveness is, and in turn reduces the release of stress hormones. When we release anger, resentment, hostility, whatever we are harboring, we start to feel empathy and compassion and physically better as well. So forgiveness can help us reduce unhealthy anger. It can help us potentially repair relationships and help us grow as a person. Similarly, forgiveness can help us heal and allow us to move forward in life, which is really one of the primary functions of forgiveness if you look in especially the psychological literature. Additionally, modeling forgiveness for others may lead to others learning to how to forgive as well. And I think about, you know, a parent or guardian modeling forgiveness for a child or someone in a work setting uh, modeling forgiveness for other co-workers, which can help increase morale and in the environment. So next I want to talk about how to forgive, because obviously I just listed, okay, there's a bunch of great benefits of forgiveness, but how do I even start? I first want to acknowledge that forgiveness can be challenging. So before I go into how to forgive, I want to validate that. Forgiveness is particularly difficult when the person that harmed you did not offer a sincere apology, did not apologize at all, or is not remorseful for their actions. These are many of the reasons I personally do not believe it is necessary to forgive a person who has hurt you. If you are able to move forward without doing so, I will touch on that a little bit later. Um, but the key in that is if you are able to move forward without forgiving. And like I said, I'll touch on that in a probably a few moments. I don't know how long I'm going to be talking for. So with regard to how to forgive, psychologist Robert Enright proposed four steps to forgiveness. So the first step is to uncover your anger by exploring how you've avoided or addressed the emotion. So it is important to identify the pain you are experiencing due to the situation that hurt you, acknowledge that pain, and validate your experience. So we need to do that and then explore really how we've either addressed this pain or avoided it. Because a lot of times we don't like to experience uncomfortable emotions, so we just ignore them or suppress them so we don't have to experience them. But as we know, that is not helpful. The second step in Enright's model is to make the decision to forgive. So this is particularly important if you recognize that the way you have been ignoring or coping with the offense hasn't worked, and thus forgiveness may be what you need to move forward. The third step is to cultivate forgiveness by developing compassion for the offender. So reflect on whether the act was due to malicious intent or circumstances in the offender's life. One thing I always say is that past traumas are an explanation for behavior, but not an excuse. And it is really hard to develop compassion for someone who has hurt you with malicious intent, even if you are able to recognize where the behavior has come from. It is, in contrast, easier to forgive someone if you know they harmed you by accident or as a response to other stressors in their life. So I just wanted to note that and acknowledge that because that third step, personally, I feel can be really, really hard to do. 
Then the fourth step is to release harmful emotions and reflect on how you may have grown from the experience and the act of forgiveness itself. So the act of forgiveness can look a lot of different ways. It can be a personal experience where the offender never knows you forgive them. So it's just something that you decide to do on your own, but don't feel comfortable verbalizing it to them. You can verbalize the words, I forgive you for X, Y, or Z, or I forgive this person for X, Y, or Z. Or it can be on along the lines of, I am releasing the anger I hold towards this person for this reason, whatever feels best for you. Additionally, you can let the offender know that you forgive them through words, um, talking to them face-to-face, phone call, email, letter, etc. If you don't want to follow Enright's model, there are other ways to practice forgiveness as well. So first, reflect and remember the situation in which you feel forgiveness is necessary. So this includes the events themselves, how you reacted, how you felt, how the hurt, anger, and other any any other difficult emotions affected you since the act, etc. Empathize with the other person. So identify where their behavior may come from and what situations may cause them to act in a certain manner, which is similar to what I was just talking about with Enright's model um, of cultivating compassion for the offender. Um, Note that this is not an excuse for their behavior. But empathizing may help you gain a deeper understanding of them. I think this aspect of forgiveness is really important, but forgive because you want to, not because you feel like you have to. So whether that's due to feeling like you have no other choice, other people are telling you, your religion tells you to forgive, etc. So it's important that the decision to forgive is yours. And it's important that you reflect on the intention behind the forgiveness. So is the purpose of forgiving to help you move forward? Is it to prepare a meaningful relationship? Um, What hopes do you, or outcomes do you hope come from the act of forgiveness? Or is the act of forgiveness out of obligation, pressure, as a last straw to salvage an already damaged relationship? So once you're able to identify those things, make sure it is for a reason um, that is internal to you, then it may be easier to actually engage in the process of forgiveness. I think it's also important to let go of expectations when it comes to forgiveness. If we have an idea of how things are going in our mind, whether it be we expect an apology, apology, we expect a relationship to be healed, um, or any other expectations we set surrounding the forgiveness, and those things don't happen, it can cause more hurt and pain, which goes back to why It's important to forgive because you want to and recognize your intent in forgiving. As I also noted a few minutes ago, forgiveness can be difficult. Thus, one way to get more comfortable with forgiveness is to practice small acts of forgiveness in everyday life. So an example of this would be like if someone cuts you off in traffic, 
um, at least for me, my immediate response is to react negatively. However, this could be an opportunity to practice forgiveness. So you can use that moment to recognize the wrong that was done to you. So the action of being cut off, realize that most likely the person was not directing their cutting off of you. Um, it wasn't like a personal, that's what I was trying to say. Sorry, I lost my words for a second. So most likely the action was not directed at you personally. That's what I was trying to say. And then forgive the person in the moment for cutting them off. Going back to kind of like Enright's model, or even what I just said a few minutes ago about empathizing or compassion, you know, I know for me, sometimes it's helpful to be like, I don't know what kind of day they're having. They could be having a bad day. They could be rushing to the hospital. Um, and that usually helps me forgive. So one of the things I brought up at the beginning is, do we have to forgive? So one thing I hear a lot is that we have to forgive people that have wronged us to move on. Or in many cases, I have heard people being told to forgive another person whom has hurt them and continue to have a relationship with them. So forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation and someone does not have to return to a relationship where the other person has harmed them. Yes, in some circumstances, forgiveness is what helps people move forward, uh, even if they never reconcile with them rather than keeping them stuck in the cycle of difficult emotions or trauma. However, there are circumstances where not forgiving empowers the person to move forward. So for example, a case of sexual assault, maybe for the individual that was assaulted, it may be more empowering not to forgive the individual. So forgiveness is a personal choice and everyone has a right to decide whether or not to forgive a person. Some people forgive others for heinous acts such as murder, where others don't feel the need to forgive others for acts that may be cons considered less severe. So ultimately, if forgiveness instills peace, healing, or an ability to move forward for you, I encourage you to forgive. However, if you feel like you are able to move forward without forgiveness, then do that. So like I said a few moments ago, remember that forgiveness and reconciliation are two distinct concepts. So you can forgive one, give, forgive someone if you feel that is what is best and never have to reconcile with them. But for some people, they don't want to forgive the person that hurt them. And they actually feel better by not offering forgiveness. And that is okay too. As long as you are able to move forward, heal from whatever it is that has hurt you, and you are at peace with your decision and how you are feeling about it, that is what is most important, in my eyes at least. So next I'm going to talk about self-forgiveness. Forgiving another person is one thing, but it is also important that we forgive ourselves for things that we have done wrong. 
Self-forgiveness can be harder than forgiving others because mistakes often become attached to an underlying negative belief about ourselves, such as, I always say the wrong things, or I am such a failure. I will go on to how to forgive ourselves here in a moment. However, sometimes self-forgiveness requires us to identify and address those underlying beliefs that I just gave examples of that may come up when we make a mistake. It is also important to utilize self-compassion when forgiving yourself, especially if you struggle with those negative underlying beliefs. So recognizing and acknowledging that humans are complex and flawed beings who make mistakes can help you contextualize your mistakes and forgive yourself. In self-forgiveness, we honor ourselves as an imperfect person. We are all imperfect There's not a single human being out there that is perfect. We all make mistakes and that is okay. So self-forgiveness lets us honor and recognize that. With self-forgiveness though, it is important that we take responsibility for our mistakes. However, if that responsibility leaves us feeling intense shame, guilt, etc., it is not productive. Telling ourselves how horrible of a person we are because we made a mistake is not going to help us in any way, shape, or form. There's this misconception out there that if we are mean to ourselves, we're going to be more motivated to do better or do different. And that is just not the case. It actually makes us feel worse. So we need to take responsibility, acknowledge that we are all human that makes mistakes, and make sure with taking that responsibility, we don't end up in a cycle of shame and guilt. So how do we forgive ourselves? First, we have to acknowledge that we are at fault and take responsibility for the hurt we have caused, whatever that may look like. We then need to reflect on why the event occurred and identify how we can avoid a similar mistake in the future. I also think it's important to recognize that sometimes past mistakes come from a place of ignorance about something, and now you have new information that can help you make better choices in the future. Like the whole, I didn't know then what I know now thing. Um, So as long as you recognize that a certain behavior, a mistake that you made came from a place of not knowing, and now you know better, you can do better. Next, it's important to forgive yourself by thinking about self-forgiveness, saying out loud, I forgive myself or writing it down. Like there needs to be an actual action of some sort, whether that be internally, verbally, or writing it down. It is also important to apologize to the person that you have wronged. Sometimes it can be helpful for people to reframe self-forgiveness as a step towards self-improvement. So if self-forgiveness for some reason doesn't resonate with you, it feels funny, you can reframe it into, okay, by taking this step, I am working towards self-improvement. The self-forgiveness does not need to occur in a moral context. It, I mean, it's used for self-improvement in the sense that like how forgiveness allows us to move forward self-forgiveness allows us to move forward. And like I was just saying about learning from past mistakes, it can help us improve ourselves. So there are a number of different exercises individuals can do when it comes to 
self-forgiveness. Journaling about emotions without censoring or holding back what you are feeling can help the progress, uh, the process, not progress, process of forgiveness. Um, getting thoughts on paper often brings clarity and can help us recognize our errors in thinking, uh, help us identify that we are being harder on ourselves than we should be, um, make us recognize that we simply made a mistake, etc. So sometimes just writing it down and rereading it and seeing it from a different point of view, even though you are the one to read it, can help gain clarity. Um, for individuals in the process of self-forgiveness, it's important to identify your critical or negative self-talk that occurs when you make a mistake and then challenge that negative self-talk out loud. So an example may be instead of saying, I am such an idiot, I never do anything right. If that is the first thought that comes up when you make a mistake, you can challenge that critical self-talk with something like, I made a mistake. I may have messed this thing up, but there's plenty of things I can do right. And if you've listened to me for any amount of time, you will know that, you know, I am not a huge fan of changing critical or negative self-talk into positive unless the person believes the positive thing. Because if we don't believe the positive thing we are saying to ourselves, it's not going to be helpful. And so in the example I just gave, if you like truly don't believe that there's plenty of things you've done right, although I am assuming there are, you don't even have to say that. Like I made a mistake. I may have messed this thing up, but it doesn't mean I'm going to mess it up in the future or there's no certainty I'm going to mess it up in the future. It's not necessarily a positive statement. It's much more neutral. It acknowledges the mistake you made and it's a lot nicer to yourself than calling yourself an idiot. Um, there are also like self-forgiveness meditations and affirmations that people can do if they are interested and that is their thing. You can Google those. Um, another self-forgiveness exercise is making a list of positive, positive outcomes that come from your mistakes. So when we make a mistake, our mind often focuses on the negative. However, there are often positive things that can come from our mistakes so like if you're thinking on the most basic level, when we do something wrong, we know not to do it again in the future. So that would be a positive thing that you can write down from the mistake. You know, I've learned X, Y, and Z. I will not make this mistake in the future. Um, we can identify what we learned from the experience, how we will do things differently in the future, etc. So nobody that has been following me for any period of time is going to be shocked by my next recommendation, which is self-compassion exercises. Uh, self-compassion exercises can help tremendously with self-forgiveness. I kind of alluded to that earlier because if you're kind to yourself, um, which is the self-kindness component, um, if you recognize that we are flawed humans, which is the common humanity component, and I literally just mentioned... Uh, forgiveness, self-forgiveness meditation. And that goes into the mindful awareness component. Um, yeah, all of that to say self-compassion exercises can be really helpful. So if you haven't already listened to the first three episodes of this podcast, I broke it down into the three components of self-compassion, one episode each, um, or you can go to www.selfcompassion.org for more information and practical exercises that you can do. 
If it is really, really hard to forgive yourself, role-playing as if the offender is someone else may be helpful. So removing ourselves from the situation and forgiving a hypothetical loved one for the same offense that you are having difficulty forgiving yourself for can help you recognize how unnecessarily tough you are being on yourself. And it also helps us recognize that being hard on ourselves doesn't help us move forward and actually makes us feel worse. So the last area I'm going to touch on is called forgiveness therapy. So there is something called forgiveness therapy, which is a subtype of therapy that focuses specifically on helping clients forgive and move forward. Obviously, you do not need therapy to engage in forgiveness practice, but I did want to highlight this in case it is something people are interested in. So there are various types of forgiveness therapy but generally they fall into two distinct categories. So the first is process-based and the second is decision-based. So process-based forgiveness interventions take place over a longer period of time and use cognitive, behavioral, and effective strategies. In contrast, decision-based forgiveness interventions are significantly shorter and primarily involve cognitive strategies and commitment to do the work of forgiving outside of the session. So the Enright model of forgiveness, and I already mentioned Enright earlier, is a structured intervention that consists of 20 units and four phases. So this is an example of process-based forgiveness because it takes place over a longer period of time. So phase one is the uncovering phase. And in this phase, the client is helped to understand the psychological defense at work within them, recognize and acknowledge the anger they feel and evaluate the psychological harm caused by the offense. Phase two is the decision-making phase, um, where the possibility of forgiveness as a response is explored, followed by a commitment to forgive. Phase three involves the cognitive reframing of the offense. So the client is helped to develop empathy for the offender and accept the pain experienced. And phase four is called the deepening phase where clients are helped to find meaning in their suffering. An example of decision-making forgiveness intervention is the REACH model. So REACH is an acronym that describes the five steps of forgiveness involved in the intervention. So participants first recall the hurt, so that's the R. Second, they develop empathy, that's the E, for the offender. Third, they reframe forgiveness as an altruistic, the A, gift for the offender. Fourth, they commit, so the C, to forgive. And then the final step is learning to hold, the H, for forgiveness. Another example of decision-based forgiveness intervention is a forgiveness letter. So in this intervention, the individual writes a letter of forgiveness to the offender or to themselves. So I did not include this in the self-forgiveness uh, section of the episode because I knew I was going to talk about it here, but a forgiveness letter to yourself can be extremely powerful for self-forgiveness. So this intervention is uh, obviously shorter than others and has the effect of starting the process of forgiveness with a client if they were to do this in therapy, and then the client continues to do the work at home. I want to note that you do not have to go to therapy to write a forgiveness letter. So this is something that you can clearly do on your own, but it has shown significant um, positive benefits. 
So that is a wrap on our forgiveness episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. As I said at the beginning of this episode, this is the last episode of season three. I am unsure when season four will launch, but I promise it is coming. Please, if you have any topic ideas you want to see on the show or any guests you recommend me having on, please send me a DM on Instagram. I love hearing from y'all and covering topics that are of most interest to you. So as always, Thank you so much for your continued support of Psych Talk, and I will catch you in season four. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Psych Talk. I hope you found so much value. If you loved what you heard or gained some knowledge, I would love for you to take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram stories, and tag me at Jessica Lee PhD. Additionally, I would be honored if you leave a review and five-star rating so I can continue to help this podcast grow. If you are not already, follow me on Instagram and join my Facebook community, Grow Through What You Go Through. Thank you for joining me today, and I cannot wait for you to join me during the next episode. Remember, you are loved, you are worthy, and you are braver than you know.